If your Bibles are open this morning to Luke chapter 6, our text is actually a condensed version of the longest sermon in the Bible. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. We find it uh, in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, three very long chapters, um, and it is a sermon that our Savior preached. The Sermon on the Mount was not a salvation message. It's not evangelistic. He's not telling people this is what you must do to be saved. Rather, he is preaching to his disciples. Matthew tells us that he went up into a certain mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. This was more than just the original 12. He had not yet personally selected them. That wouldn't happen to about Matthew 10. This would include men and women and probably some young people, people of all ages. It may have included several hundred people. It may have only been a few dozen. The Bible doesn't give a number, but the point is these were, these were his disciples, followers of Christ. If you will, in our terminology, these were people who were already saved. The Sermon on the Mount is not telling someone how to get saved. The Sermon on the Mount is the Lord's instructions on how we are supposed to live after we get saved. It's really what it's all about. It is a great study. It is an important study, and we've gone to it many, many times. Uh, we cannot in one sermon cover it all, but this morning, uh, I want us to look at uh, a verse that the, the Savior spoke. Uh, if you would, please, we're going to start again at verse 27, and we'll read down to where I want you to be. He says, but I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. You understand that that one statement was revolutionary. That's not the mindset of man. Man's mindset is, I hate my enemies. Uh, my mindset is, those that are opposed to America, we want to hate them. Those that are opposed to Christianity, we are, we are opposed to them. And the Savior said, no. I say unto you which here, love your enemies. Look at this. Do good to them which hate you. I know people hard-pressed to do good to them that love them. He said, you're supposed to do good to the people that literally hate you. Bless them which curse you. And pray for them which despitefully use you. Pray for them. And he's not praying that their eyes fall out. Praying that they die. It doesn't fit with the passage. You're supposed to pray that God will help them. That God will lead them. That God will be merciful to them. Again, this is revolutionary teaching. Um, the world somehow talks about it, but really doesn't put it into practice. Uh, I, I like following the cars that have all the stickers on the back and they're supporting every cause. Most of them really wacky, wacky causes, you know, save the grasshoppers and, you know, all that kind of stuff and coexist and, and all those things. And, you know, and it's, you know, love conquers all. Have you ever seen those people at a protest? Oh my word, screaming obscenities at anybody that disagrees with them. The world talks about that, but doesn't put it into practice. We are not supposed to just talk about it. The Savior says, I say unto you which hear, this is how you're supposed to be. 
Unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer the other also. Turn the other cheek. That's not what we do. Somebody hits me on the side of the head, I want to hit them on their side of the head. Savior said, no, don't do that. Uh, He says, from him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Just, just don't get all hung up on material things. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. Boy, that's tough stuff, isn't it? It's tough stuff. This thing of love, loving people, it can be messy, can't it? But the Savior said this is the way it is. And here's verse 31. This is our text this morning. I have it highlighted in my Bible, and, and, and I'd encourage you to do the same. Jesus said, and as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Read that with me, church. Ready? Verse 31. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. There is a name for this verse. What do we call this? Uh, you're, you're murmuring because you don't want to admit it. What's it called? The golden rule. Keep your place here. Turn to Matthew chapter number seven. Matthew chapter seven. Matthew gives us a tad more detail than Luke does on this one verse. Verse 12, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. I'm going to have you read it with me. Ready? Therefore, some things... Oh, I'm sorry. I read it wrong. Let's do it again. Therefore, most things... I'm not getting it right, am I? We'll do do it for real this time. Ready? Therefore... All things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. All things. You don't have to be a Greek scholar to understand that, what that means. Everything, every single thing that you want people to do to you. The Bible says, do ye even so to them. Everything. Talk to people exactly how you want them to talk to you. How many like rude people? I don't see any hands. How many like in-your-face people? How many like vulgar people? Then don't be one. I've had people talk to me worse than they would talk to their dog. I'm talking people that claim to be saved. But I guarantee you, if I talk to them the same way, oh my word, talk about 4th of July fireworks. Jesus said, uh, 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 uh. All things, whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. How many of you like being talked about behind your back? Anybody know what the Bible word for that is? It's called backbiting. Name one verse in the Bible where backbiting is a good thing. One verse that is sanctioned by God in any way. Uh, It's actually an abomination before the Lord, according to the book of Proverbs. Nobody likes it. So if I don't want people to backbite, guess what I'm not supposed to do? I'm not supposed to backbite. 
You're wishing this sermon was over, didn't you? This is the golden rule. This is golden rule Christianity. This is how we're supposed to be. By the way, uh, we're going to look in a moment. There's, there's no exceptions to this. Not just all things, but all people. If I'm supposed to be this way to my enemies and the people that hate me and the people that despitefully use me and the people that curse me and the people that steal from me, there's nobody I'm not supposed to be like this with. Golden rule, Christianity. All things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. Treat everybody else like you'd want to be treated. Everybody. No exceptions. No exceptions. Uh, talk to everybody like you want to be talked to or about. Respect everyone like you want to be respected. Obey everyone else like you want to be obeyed. No, exemption, no exceptions, no exemptions. Quick question. How many are keeping the golden rule? Thank you that you're honest. We all mess up on that because isn't it easy how quick the flesh gets in our way? How many have had somebody pull out in front of you on the highway? How many love that person? How many, how many pray down God's blessings upon them? How many of you, the word idiot slips out of your mouth? How many know where the horn is on your car? We're, gonna, we're not going to go any further to find out how many of you know sign language. Because if so, you need to be the first at the altar today. Isn't it amazing how quickly it gets like we, we just fall into it? Um, but the Savior said, I want you to understand if you are my disciple, it doesn't matter what the world's like. That's not our standard. Our standard is the word of God. That's what we're supposed to be like. Keep your place in, in uh, I'm going to have you go back to Luke if you can. Uh, Luke chapter 6. And keeping your place there, can I get you in 1 Peter chapter 2? This is a verse that I have been mulling over so much in recent weeks. Verse 21, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. If you pray, would you just sort of call out a prayer right now? This is grabbing a hold pretty hard, and I need to get through this. Look what the Bible says in verse 21. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should do what? Follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. He never did anything wrong. He never said anything wrong. James tells us that if we're able to bridle the tongue, the same as a perfect man. Well, the Savior was. Amen? Who when he was reviled... What did he do? Verse 23, church, reviled not again. When he suffered, read what he did. He threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. So this matter of the golden rule, again, the, the world is not my standard. Others people, uh, other people's attitude or opinion or treatment of me does not matter. What the media thinks of what I believe does not matter. What matters is the Savior, the example he set in front of me, and he teaches me, he teaches you if you're saved, that we'll just put it the way we understand it, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. By the way, that's not do unto others before they do unto you. 
unless you're planning to do something nice. As you would that men would do to you, do ye even so to them. All things. Notice a couple statements that we're gonna learn from Luke chapter number six. This golden rule Christianity that we are talking about marks the difference between saints and sinners. Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. We are to be different than the unsaved world. We're to talk different. We're to treat people different. We're to respond different. Uh, we're supposed to be as different as night is from day, okay? And this golden rule Christianity is one of those ways that we show that we are truly a follower of Christ. Look, if you would, please, to verse 32. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love them that love them. If we only love the people that, are, that love us, we're no different than unsaved people. But remember the Savior said, love your enemies and do good to them and bless them that curse you and pray for them that despitefully use you and, and, and so on and so forth. You see, the unsaved sinner seldom does that. The lost person doesn't do that. Jesus said, my disciples do. Not just now and then, all things. When I'm driving my car, when I'm in line at the grocery store, when I'm dealing with some type of conflict, uh, with my neighbors, with my fellow church member, with, with unsaved people that I come in contact with, as I would have them do unto me, I'm supposed to do unto them in all things. And it doesn't even matter what they did or said about me. When we become like that, we are so different from the lost world, we're gonna stand out. We're letting our light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Amen. I mean everywhere, everywhere. This is it. Sometimes the greatest gospel that we ever preach is not the Romans road. The greatest gospel we ever preach is the Christianity that we're living in front of lost people. Because they see it, and that's how they know whether what we're saying is real or not. Well, I'm not going to be a pushover. Was Jesus a pushover? No. He's the son of God. He's the all-powerful son of God. He said, all power is given unto me and in heaven and in earth. He looked at Pontius Pilate and said, uh, you have no power at all over me. For if I want to right now, I could call down 12 legions of angels. That's about 144,000 angels. If one angel wiped out 185,000 Syrians in one night, imagine the destructions 144,000 of those boys could do. He was no pushover, but he, the Bible says in Peter, he committed himself to him that judges righteously. I'm just, I'm gonna let God straighten this all out right now. I'm gonna do right. I'm gonna do right. And when we follow that example, that's Bible discipleship, and it makes us different from the lost world. Look at verse 33. If ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. It's when you're nice to somebody that's not so nice to you. And I know that's hard, isn't it? Doesn't come, by net, doesn't come natural, but, but the understanding is we live in a sin-cursed earth. Jesus said it is impossible, but that offenses will come. I'm, I'm gonna make a prophetic statement now. Based on what I'm preaching today, I can almost guarantee that on the way home, 
some idiot's going to pull in front of me. Or the light will turn green and they'll still be on their phone. Because that's, God always makes me live what I preach. We're, we're talking the everyday things in life. He said, if you only do good to the people who do something good to you, you're no better than unsaved people. When you do good to somebody that wasn't so kind to you, that was even mean to you, he said, now you're my disciple. Who in here deserves the love of Christ? Who deserves it? I mean, you're so awesome. You're so wonderful. You're so good. You deserve for Jesus to love you. Anybody? Who in here deserves the mercy of God? You deserve it. I didn't say need it. I said, you deserve God to be merciful. Yeah, got you, Rich. I love messing with him and we have the best time together. We're going to start a pirate ship. He's got the patch, I got the peg leg. It's going to be great. Warren, you're second mate. How many deserve the wrath of God? How many deserve to have your prayers answered? Not one of us. How many have ever had a prayer answered? I had them this week. How many have found mercy from God? It, we start talking about the goodness God's shown to us. Any one of us can get up and just occupy the rest of the entire day and still not be done. He's been that good. But we don't deserve it. That's how we're supposed to treat everybody else, whether they deserve it or not. Because that's when we're, the, we're showing the love of Christ. Look at verse 34. If ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye for sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again? If I'm only going to loan you 10 bucks because I know you're good for it, well, any unsaved person is going to see that as a good investment. But when I roll down my window at the intersection to the homeless person with the cardboard sign and hand a few dollars and a gospel tract to them, knowing that they will never be able to repay me, I may never see them again, then I'm acting like a disciple. Ouch. This is a hard sermon, isn't it? From such a simple truth, as you would that men should do unto you, do ye even so to them. This golden rule Christianity can be tough, but again, it's what marks the difference between saints, saved people, and sinners, lost people. Years ago, when Tommy was still in a stroller, he would have, he would have probably been less than a year old. Um, Rob and Anna came to the youth activity Friday night, so Trina and I had grandparent duty. And we went out to the mall in Meriden together. And we've got Tommy and our, you know, our grandson. And we're, we're having a ball with him and, and, and so forth. And uh, Trina needed to go to one of the stores that was on the upper level of the mall. So we were in the center of the mall. And they have that elevator that goes up. And so we got on. There were a couple other people on the elevator with us. And so we sort of backed the stroller in, uh, that type of thing. There's only two floors. Pushed the button. Got up to the second floor, the door opened, and there was this woman standing right in front of the door. We're talking like six to eight inches in front of the door. There, there are Trina and I got this stroller, a couple other people in the wings, and, and she wants on the elevator. The stroller's right in front of the door. I, we got to get out or she can't get in. And not to be unkind, she was rather robust. And, and, and I'm just kind of standing there saying, get out of my way. I said, I'd like to, but you, you need to step aside. You can't tell me what to do. And I mean, she just, Landon is like, 
lady, next time you go shopping, don't just bring MasterCard, bring your brain. I said something to that effect. She, you know, I just started pushing the stroller forward and she had no choice but to move out of the way and, and, and train us, honey, be nice, be nice, be nice. Was that golden rule Christianity? You don't want to say no because you've done the same thing. It wasn't at all. My heart smote me. It really did. Trina and I were walking on and I said, man, I, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have reacted like that. And then Trina came up and, you know, the Holy Spirit in the skirt said, yeah, it's going to be really bad if she shows up to church on Sunday. <laughs> See, I didn't act any different than any lost person would. I certainly didn't act like Jesus would have. I, I just didn't. Golden rule Christianity is a step above that. It not only marks the difference between saints and sinners, it matches the description of the sons of God. Look, if you would, please, uh, to verse number 35. But love ye your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And read the next phrase with me, church. Ready? And ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Read verse 36 with me. Be ye therefore merciful as your father also is merciful. He said, when you do this golden rule Christianity, you look like your dad. Last Sunday night, Tim was preaching and my friend Sam was sitting back there and he had an awful lot to talk to me about uh, the sermon and how the Lord spoke to his heart and stuff. And it was, it was, I was really encouraged about that. But in the middle of the sermon, uh, I don't know where it fit in. I don't remember exactly. Tim made mention that there's someone at, at this one place that he trains that has seen us together that thought that Tim and I were brothers. Uh, if you were here, I'm sitting over here giving two thumbs up and, and laughing and all that. Sam thought it was just like the greatest thing in the world. Uh, you know, I'm 65, Tim's 38, and they thought we were brothers. Either they think he's a geezer or they think that I'm really young. I have no idea or they're just blind. I don't know. Um, that type of thing. I, I was, uh, Tim and, and the family moved to Michigan on Monday and, and I spent much of the day crying and just missing them. And I, I posted a picture of Tim and I standing side by side at a, uh, a powerlifting competition. We had done this last March together and, and I had so many people uh, sending me texts. I had a couple uh, comments on there. People that talked to me in person later said, man, you and Tim look so much alike. Tim knows exactly what he's gonna look like when he's old. <laughs> Poor kid. Poor kid, he deserves it. Uh, poor kid. Uh, it's, it's called genetics. There's not a thing he can do about it. Uh, I mentioned in Sunday school that Rob's uh, mom and dad are both of Polish background. That's why, and Polish people are by nature very, very tall and big bone people. That's why Rob is 6'5". He's got onset of 6'2", 6'3". I'm not Polish. I'm pygmy. It's just not there. It's genetics. The Bible says another phrase for being saved is ye must be what? Born again. When we get born again and the spirit of God comes to live within us, we now possess the spiritual genetics of almighty God. 
And that means we're supposed to resemble him. Now, we're not going to physically change. I'm not going to grow taller because I'm saved. I'm not going to grow any better looking because you can't uh, than, I, than I am right now. But what it means is everything else about me is going to be more like God. I'm going to talk different. I'm not telling the same jokes. I'm, I'm not listening to the same jokes. I'm, I'm not singing the same songs. And I'm, I'm, I'm not listening to the same songs. And, and I don't go the same places. And, and, and there's everything's different about me. And golden rule Christianity puts that on in neon lights makes it shine so bright because we we resemble the children of the highest the children of the highest if you read a little book called fox's book of martyrs it's about people from the time of christ up through i, I think somewhere around the 15 1600s that gave their life for the name and the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. Talking about Stephen in Acts chapter 7. Uh, talking about the Apostle Peter, the Apostle Mark, Thomas, so on and so forth. Uh, and, and so forth. In the days of the Roman empires, there were 10 major persecutions against believers by various emperors. The first was under Nero, but it was by far not the worst. One of the worst was under, under an emperor named Diocletian. They rounded Christians up, and for entertainment, they brought them into the Colosseum in Rome. And the mind of man has no limits in their imagination for cruelty and evil. And they, they called it the circus, but it was anything but the circus that we think of. Christians were burned at the stake. They had the ability to fill the Colosseum with water. And, and put actual boats in the middle of it in which they would put Christians and then they'd shoot flaming arrows and they'd let the ships burn so the Christians would drown. We're talking men, women, and children. And their only crime was they were saved and they loved the Lord and they believed the Bible. They would tie children up in lambskins, smear blood on the lambskins, put them out in the center of the Colosseum and send wild dogs that hadn't been fed in two weeks loose into the Colosseum to shred those children. Think about it. And somebody said no when you tried to give them a tract. Think about it. One of the things that even Roman historians talked about these Christian people. Josephus wrote about it. You'll find it in the Fox's Book of Martyrs. It was almost unheard of for any believer down in the Colosseum, no matter how they were about to die. And it was seldom quick. The Apostle Paul was quick. It was a beheading because he was a Roman citizen and by law, he couldn't be tortured by them. But most of the time, it was a horrible, prolonged, grotesque ordeal. It was almost unheard of for a believer in the Colosseum to shake their fist at the crowd, to, to gesture obscenely at the emperor, to, to curse them. It was almost unheard of. Instead, it was people praying. Stephen's prayer was often repeated, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. The Savior's prayer was often repeated, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Oftentimes, in, in spite of the cries of the crowd, you'd hear singing from the floor of the Colosseum by those who were condemned to these gruesome deaths. 
You say, well, why? Well, what did it do? It didn't help them. See, that's where we got it all wrong. Number one, they went to heaven to a martyr's crown. But number two, it is said that for every saint that died like that in the, in the floor of the Colosseum, there were another 10 people that turned to Christ up in the crowd saying, what do these people have that we don't? Uh, we're, we're bloodthirsty, we're hateful, and there's none of that in them. And they were so moved by what they saw that they went out, the, the statement was made, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And we can't even let somebody pull out in front of us on the highway without a string, sometimes of obscenities. I don't, but some saved people do. Golden rule Christianity is so different than that because when we put it into practice, we're just not like everybody else. It's not about wearing orange robe, shaving your head and selling poppies at the airport. It's about being truly different. Golden rule Christianity also measures the success of the sons of God. Notice it, what it says in verse number 36. It says, um, 37, judge not and ye shall not be judged. For some people, this is the only verse in the Bible that they know. Uh, the same Bible says that we are to judge righteous judgment. What that means is don't be sitting as judge, jury, and executioner of everybody else. Kind of mind your own beeswax. Instead of picking at the moat in somebody else's eye, why don't you consider that beam that's hanging out of your head? Um, condemn not. There's some people that's all they can do, find fault. That's why we kid around here. When we paint, hang a sign, we always leave something crooked or missed. Uh, we critical people can have a good time when they come to church. But on reality, condemn not, ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, ye shall be forgiven. Give it shall be given unto you good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom for with the same measure that ye meet with all it shall be measured to you again Jesus committed himself to him his heavenly father that judgeth righteously do you understand that when we live golden rule Christianity we are saying no matter how bad that person was to me no matter what they said to me I'm going to do what God says and God sees and God will take care of me. Um, on the cross, who won, Jesus or his enemies? Jesus. Oh, by the way, and us. Three days later, who was raised from the dead? Jesus. Who got to say, na 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 Not the chief priests, scribes, and Pharisees. Jesus did. I don't think he said that. If I was Jesus, I would have. See, he was victorious. Amen. He was victorious. The victorious one is not the one who fights fire with fire. The victorious one is the one who says, I believe the Bible. And I believe that if I do good to them that have not been good to me, if I love my enemies, if I bless those that curse me, if I live golden rule Christianity, God will take care of me. In every way, big and small. Are we putting this into practice. There is so much hatred out there. So much confusion out there. 
Yes, we need to pass out gospel tracts. Yes, we need to knock on doors. Yes, we need to invite people to church. Yes, we need to do our best to share the gospel. But oftentimes before we're really going to get a chance to do that, we have to show them the gospel in a, in a, um, a, a golden rule Christian life. But if your co-workers watch you snarling and criticizing, griping about the boss just like everybody else, you might as well forget about handing them a tract later. Because they don't see any difference in you than they see in them. But buddy, they see you. They see the love of Christ on you. Not just tolerating and putting up with it, but I mean just loving people that maybe aren't so lovable. They get a chance to say, that's what God looks like. And then you're going to have an open door. To be honest, I've been, I've been thinking of this idea, what would Jesus do? I've talked to our staff members about it. We're going to do a Sunday school series about it. But I've been, I've, I've been letting that. Am I following the example of Christ? Am I living golden rule Christianity? And I'm trying to be mindful of that. When I pull up to the intersection and I see that person with the cardboard sign rather than saying, why don't they go, go get a job? That's, I'm not supposed to judge them like that. I don't know why they're there. I always try to keep a few loose bills in my pocket. I always have gospel tracks right by my door. And if, if I can, based on how the light has turned or whatever, try to roll the window down and say, this isn't a whole lot, but I hope it'll help a little bit. It's always taken graciously and they always take the track. And often as I drive off, I can glance in the mirror and see them reading the gospel track. I don't know what they'll do with it. I don't know what they'll do with it, but that's golden rule. Golden rule. We have a Dunkin' Donuts down the street from our house. And um, the, the location's kind of poorly planned. Um, and, uh, you know, in the mornings especially, now that the bus strikes on, it's even worse because there are more cars in the highway and all these frustrated parents are now trying to get into Duncan to get their coffee and so forth. So traffic is lined up in both directions. I mean, it's, whether I'm going to Duncan or not, and I seldom do, um, it, it's just traffic is just there. But one morning I was, I was going to go into Duncan and traffic was, was lined up getting in and, and there were cars in the turn lane. They wanted to get into Duncan and so forth. And the line was sort of wrapped around the restaurant. I knew I was going to be there for a while. And you know how we are. We're looking at the, the watch. You know, I got places to go, people to see, things to do. I'm an important person. You all need to just move and let me go to the front of the line. We have that mentality. And uh, it was one of those days and, and I was a little hassled, but there was a, there was a, a just a guy in a, a car there and he had three or four behind him or whatever and a little bit of space opened up in front of me and my first impulse was I need to get in that line and get my place but I just motioned him forward just motioned him forward say why because that's what I would hope somebody would do to me if things were lined up got up to the window I placed my order and all I ordered was coffee um they put the price up there on the screen. I got up to the window. I had my money out to hand it. She goes, oh, the guy in the car in front of you paid for yours. I'm thinking, I should have got donuts. I should have got... Man, I should have ordered, like, I'll have one of everything. And um, so I, I, I grabbed my coffee and started pulling out, and the car was here, and I just sort of tapped on my horn just a little bit, and I waved like that, and he waved out the window. He was just blessed that... Somebody let him cut in line. It was my turn. My turn. 
the golden rule said, no, it's his turn. I'm not saying that every time you do something like that, somebody's gonna pay for your coffee or whatever, but God keeps records and God knows how to balance out the sheet. But if you're not living golden rule Christianity, there's nothing to balance out for good. As you meet it out, it's gonna be measured to you again. You measure out nastiness, don't expect niceness. God has a way of making sure. Golden rule Christianity, it, it separates saints from sinners. It marks us as the children of God. And it brings down God's blessings on us, if not now, someday. God knows. God knows. How many can say, preacher, I'm saved. I, I know for sure if I died right now, I'm going to go to heaven. I can look back to the, the time, the place that I understood uh, the gospel and I received Christ as payment of my sin. Preacher, I'm saved and I know it. How many can say that? That's a wonderful thing to know. I, I keep telling you, it, it was 51 years ago last month I got saved as a teenage boy. If you've not done so, today needs to be the day because you don't know if you have tomorrow. With our heads bowed, with our eyes closed.